Okay, I trust you've got coffee. You ready to go? Um, we're, we've got a couple weeks here that we're going to do what we call standalone messages, Sam for short. Here's what that means. It's just that we're in between series, um, which we really do. We lean into the Lord. We listen to what he says about what series to do next, like if it's a book study or, you know, if it's like a topical study. But um, we're a couple weeks away from kicking off our series in May called The Elephant in the Room. If you haven't heard about this, um, we're going to tackle the gospel and mental health in the month of May. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And, um, like, we need a month for that, right? Like, we need all, like, forever. We need a mental health year probably. Like, there's so much struggle and angst in our culture right now. It's in the church as well. And so the worst thing we can do is just never talk about it. So that month we'll talk about it. But we got a couple weeks to get there. So um, t- today and next Sunday, I love these times when we're just in between a series. And I just, I mean, we always pray, right? But, there's like, sometimes there's things that God puts on your heart, and they just don't fit in a series, you know, but you know that God spoke them. And so this morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share one of those with you, and it's based off of one word. Everybody hold up one finger. This is all I'm asking you to remember. I mean, come on. Kids, even your parents can do this, right? One word, and here's the word. The word is enough. Everybody say enough. enough. We're talking about one word, enough. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about four things just based around that word, enough. Um, I, I think God's got something special for us. I don't have time to go into this one story. I wish I did, but I've preached about it a number of times, and you can look it up. Judges chapter 3 is where it's found. And make me this promise. If you're one of those people who never reads the Bible because the Bible's boring, and, and I, I'm with you, there are parts of the Bible that can be tough to get through. But if you think the Bible's boring, promise me that today or this week you will read Judges chapter 3. Um, I don't have time to go into the whole story, but what you'll find there is you'll find a young man. His name was Ehud, and the Bible describes him as a left-handed Benjamite. And what that means is he was from the Benjamite tribe, and they were, like, considered the the weakest of the weak. And then he was left-handed. Raise your hand if you're left-handed. Be proud. Be proud. But in his day, I love it when left-handed people raise their right hands. Don't you love it? It's like they just do it to throw us off. They're like, yeah, that's right. It's me. And like, wait, that's your – anyway – your other, in that day, if you were left-handed in the day when Ehud lived, then you were considered the weakest, like one of the weakest people on the planet. Left-handed people were not considered strong. So basically what we learn about Ehud is he was the weakest of the weak. Does that make sense? Um, flashback to middle school. Ugh, like we need to do that. We might need to do mental health right now. Remember in middle school when they would divide you up, like they pick two captains and tell them to pick teams? Remember that? Um, some of y'all loved it because you were the first ones picked. Others of us in the real world never got picked. We were just the last one. Remember that? I'll take Watson, right? And it's like Watson never gets picked. He's always the last one. Uh, so that's kind of what it was like to be Ehud. Never picked, always overlooked. And the Bible says that there, Ehud's there. He's an Israelite. And there's a king. His name was um, Eglon. That's a fun. Aren't you glad we don't do Bible names like this anymore? Would you like to go to school with the name Ehud and Eglon? So Eglon was a king, and I call him King Eggy. So King Eggy, the Bible says this, and when the Bible describes somebody, you need to pay attention to how the Bible describes him. The Bible says that King Eglon was, and I quote, you will find this in the Bible, a very fat man. Now, we know that God is not into shaming people. He's not trying to make fun of people. So this is not even a statement about body weight. But there's a reason why the Bible describes King Eggy as a very fat man. And here's the reason why. 
because he got fat off of enslaving Ehud's people. So he kept the Israelites in slavery. They worked like dogs to feed King Eglon. And he got literally, I think the Bible includes that because we, we picture this man who is sitting back doing nothing but making people work for him. Some of y'all are like, I'm going to experience that tomorrow when I go back to work, right? So what I want you to see is Ehud, weakest of the week, at some point said the first thing I hope you'll say today, I've had enough. Like I am done. He drew a line in the sand and he said, no more. I'm tired of this fat king, this the Bible says, very fat king. I'm tired of him taking my stuff, taking the stuff that belongs to my people, and I'm going to do something about it. Today it ends right here. Parents of small children, you understand the words no more, right? Like on your best days, you get to bedtime and you have just said finally, like, no more. I can't take any more. But on your worst days, you barely get out of bed, and you're already saying no more, right? We understand this. And so what you see is that when it comes to enough, we've got to be able to say, like, I've had enough. I'm tired of being pushed around. I'm tired of people taking from me. And I want to give you a couple statements. Here's the first one. Until I've had enough, I'm a victim, right? But when I've had enough, I can become a victor. So when Ehud said, I've had enough, he actually put himself right in position for God to use him to deliver his people. And if you read the story, you'll find out that he did. And it's crazy how he did it. And it's a great story. And if you don't want to go read the Bible, you can go to our website and just search for a sermon called Kill the Fat Man. It's fantastic. You'll love it. Now, and we should kill the fat man. Um, I've got a video clip. And I need to set it up for you because it's, it's the perfect video clip to, to really illustrate this first point of, like, getting to the place where we say, I've had enough. But I need to give some disclaimers to the parents in the room. One, it's really old. Like, it's super old. And then two, the, it's gratuitous. You know what gratuitous means? Like, you know, like gratuitous violence, gratuitous, all that. Like, it's gratuitous because it's got so much bad acting in it. So much bad acting. It's terrible. Like, it's like you're going to see, you're going to see so much fake fighting and so much fake blood. And it's just, it's just fake. It's just awful. And it's, I just want you to know that right up front, right? Like, we're showing you a clip that we recognize has some stuff in it that we don't really see in today's culture anymore. Like, you're going to see people smoking cigarettes in public. What? This doesn't happen anymore, right? So um, we're not promoting this like here's a lifestyle we should follow. We are saying that I think we can really understand this first point about having had enough if we take the time to really soak in the wisdom of a Rocky clip, right? Come on. Everybody say Rocky. Rocky, 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 right? So here we go. It's about five minutes. You'll, you'll love it. Oh, man. 
Oh, <laughs> 
gentlemen, the winner by knockout in one of the most Are you all right? comebacks in history. Once again, the heavyweight champion of the world, the Italian stallion, Rocky Movie trivia. A lot of people don't realize that I was his body double in that movie. <laughs> but now you know. Um, I'm not sure if you caught this line or not, but there was a line in there in the middle of that fight where one of his trainers said to the other one, he's getting killed. And the other trainer said, no, he's not getting killed. He's getting angry. He's getting mad. And I want you to know this. I think for a year or so now, the church has been getting killed. I think it's time for the church to get angry. I think it's time for the church and I'm not talking about angry at people. I'm talking about angry at the enemy. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be alert and sober mind, sober, uh, and of sober mind, you have an enemy who prowls around like a roaring lion. One of my favorite parts of that clip is Mr. T. That's the guy he's fighting. I pity the fool. I pity the fool. I got a lot of mo, right? He, when, he, when they slow it down, he's like, Rah! I always picture we have an enemy who prowls around like a roaring lion. Can I just set you free for a second? He prowls around like a lion. We serve the lion. And we need to start to draw a line in the sand. We need to start to say things like, I've had enough. I've had enough of the enemy running over my life. That's exactly what we see in that clip. It's exactly what we see in Scripture. I want you to know this, too, that Satan is, um, he always overplays his hand. Always. He always gets so confident that he's going to win. I think of the cross. Colossians says that Jesus made a public spectacle of the enemy at the cross. Basically, Satan played right into the hand of God. And he always does that. He's overplaying his hand now. He's overplaying his hand in the way that Christians are fighting with Christians. And at some point when the church says, no more, I've had enough, then he's gonna, he, we're going to reveal him to the world as the defeated foe that he is. Until we say we've had enough, that's not going to happen. So this morning, I would encourage you to say, I've had enough. Amazing things will happen when you do that. Let me ask you this question. What would happen if collectively as a church we said, I have enough? Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13, Paul writes this. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Here's verse 13. This is the one that we have on coffee cups. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Until I am enough, I'm a chameleon. I did this second time in a row. Hold on. That's the next point. Hang on. Say that was good. Now act like you never heard it. We'll come back to it in a second. The reason why we struggle with contentment is because we live in a culture of more. So you could ask anybody, I would encourage you to just try this, just do a random survey and talk to all kinds of people with all kinds of backgrounds, people who have a lot of money, who have a little bit of money, and ask them one question. How much would you need to feel secure? And they'll all have the same answer. The answer is going to be a little more. You ever, you ever 
look at the crazy amount of money that athletes make, whenever I see that they've signed a new contract for like hundreds of millions of dollars, I always think a couple things. One, why don't teachers get paid that? Amen from the teachers, right? Two, why don't I get paid that? <laughs> and then three, three, I think like, why would they ever want more? How can they sign a contract for so much money and still be so miserable? And it's not just athletes, it's anybody. And the reason is because it doesn't matter if you make a lot or you make a little, you always want to make a little bit more. We always want to have a little bit more. And so we struggle with not having enough. When we adopt this scarcity mentality, this like there's, the pie is only so big to go around, then what that causes us to do is we do this with our stuff, right? We grab onto it. We don't give it away. But when we realize that I've ha- I have enough, we can open our hands. I went through a little season in my life when I knew that God told me every time somebody came to speak at a church and they took up a special love offering, I was supposed to give the biggest bill in my wallet. I learned this because one time a missionary was speaking and I pulled my, this is back when you had wallets, I pulled my wallet out and I looked inside and there was a $1 bill and a $20 bill and I, of course, reached for the $1 bill. And God said, oh, no. No, no, no. You give, you give him the biggest bill in your wallet. And it went on for a little bit. There was a season where that happened. I learned how to carry a, like a one and a five. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because I was going through a season in my life when I wasn't content. When I, I, I didn't feel like I had enough, and so I just I did this. So uh, until I have enough, I'm a keeper, right? I hold on to everything. But when I have enough, I can become a giver. I want you to know this, that your lives, my life, they're marked by either contentment or dissatisfaction. Those are the only two things. Either we're content with what we have or we're not satisfied with what we have. And being able to say I have enough is what changes it. When I can say I have enough, I mean, how many, how many more channels do we need to watch, Right? When do we say, I've got enough, I have enough, I don't need any more, right? Stories that motivate me are people like Rick Warren, who I know he makes a ton of money off of his books, right? But he reversed tithes. I love that. He lives on 10% and gives 90% away. Because at some point he said, I'm drawing a line in the sand. I said, "I, I have enough, I don't need more. And if I don't need more, I can give away the rest of it. I want us to live lives like that. Here's the third one. So I've had enough and I have enough. The third one's going to sound a little bit strange, um, but I want to I just talk through it. I think it's really important. The third one is I am enough. I am enough. Now, this is the one that I was talking about before. If, it, until I'm enough, I'm a chameleon. In other words, until I'm enough, y'all know what a chameleon is, right? Chameleon like can change and blend in with stuff. If I don't feel like I'm enough for you, then what am I going to do? I'm going to change how I am to be what you want me to be. Until I'm enough, I'm a chameleon. But when I, when I am enough, then I can become an anchor. Let me explain that. Um, can I just be personal for a second? I mean, y'all watch me, y'all watch me bleed all the time. I don't know why you're still here. You just love to watch people bleed. I mean, th- this has just been a brutal year, y'all. Like, for, if you're in any, any position of leadership, you know, like, you can't do anything right. 
It's been brutal. And to try to want to fit in with people, to stand up every week and like, am, am I, am, it's the way that I teach even enough, right? Like to have people say, well, you don't do this or you don't do that or you don't quote from this passage of Scripture or from this version of the Bible. And so to feel like every time it's not going to be quite enough, you can ask Wendy, like, the la- I've, I've wanted to show this Rocky clip for a long time, and I've really wrestled this week, like, do, do real pastors show stuff like that? Well, I, I know they do because I'm breathing. I'm a real pastor. That, thank you, though. I appreciate that. Um, I've really wrestled with it because I know that, I know that that's what I do. Like, I've done it for decades. Like, I just see stuff, and it's like, holy cow, that's a great illustration. But when you're trying to be enough for everybody else, then you struggle to even know who you are, right? And so one of the things that God's done for, for me this year is, like, rediscover my voice. Like, I know who I am. I know what I'm called to do. I know how I'm called to teach, and I'm enough, Right? And it's the same for you as well. I'm just using me as an example so you can sit here and just breathe. But in your life, you have areas where you don't feel like you're good enough either. And we've got to get to the place where we can say, I am enough. Because if we can't, y'all, then we're going to always try to be something we're not to fit in with people who we probably shouldn't be with anyway. And let's just be who we are. Let's just be who God said that we are. And let that identity be enough. Galatians chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, Paul said this, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want to make sure that you get that verse, okay? What Paul's saying is, that last sentence, if I'm trying to please people, if I'm trying, and I'm saying I, but he means all of us. If our lives are marked by trying to fit in with other people and be who they want us to be, he said in that last sentence that we won't even be able to be a servant of Christ. It's that powerful that it can wreck our walk with Jesus. We have to get to the place where we're like, you know what, I'm going to be an anchor. I'm going to know who I am. I'm going to know who he called me to be, and that's going to be enough. Listen to this statement. He wants us to get to the place where we can say, I am enough, even if I'm not enough for you. The collective I, not me to you as a church, but just in general. And a lot of people, y'all, they can't say that because they don't want to risk losing people. He wants you to know that you're enough, even if you're not enough for other people. That allows us to be steadfast. It allows us to be confident no matter what other people might think. Um, There's this, in John chapter 13, we don't have time to go into it, but in John chapter 13, Jesus is having his last supper. This is is literally the night that he's going to get arrested and betrayed and then taken to court, taken to trial before he's crucified. And the Bible says in John 13, 4, I'm paraphrasing it. You can look it up later and see it. It's something to to this effect. Jesus knowing who he was, knowing that he'd come from the Father, knowing why he had come, and knowing he was going to return to the Father, he picked up a towel and a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet. I know this verse because this is the verse that God used to launch us into a whole new um, path of ministry a couple decades ago. And what God showed me was you got to know who you are if you're going to serve and give your life away. 
you got to know who you are. And Jesus knew who he was, knew where he came from. He was confident in who he was so he could give himself away. He didn't need to be what people needed him to be. I want to call you to that this morning. I want you to be able to say, I am enough. Now, here's one reason why that feels weird to us. It's because you can go to, well, if people still go to bookstores, I guess you can go to Amazon. But you can go to anywhere that you get books, and you can find books on the bookshelf or in the Amazon shopping cart that would tell you the three things I just told you. You can find books that would tell you that you've had enough. Rise up, y'all. Right? You can find those books. You can find books that tell you that you have enough. They'll tell you that you're a rich person because you live in America, and you need to stop wanting more and give, money, give stuff away to other countries. Or they'll tell you how to get more so you'll think you have enough. You can find tons of books that will tell you that you need to say, say that you're enough. We would call them self-help books, right? Some might call them new age, whatever you want to call it. Whatever label you want to put on it, you can find tons of books that people are reading right now so they can feel better about themselves. And that's not a bad thing. But it's not the complete thing. Because what I want you to walk away from this morning is knowing that you can't really say those three statements unless you say the fourth one, and that is that Jesus is enough. He has to be enough. And when Jesus is enough for me, then it's easy to stop being a victim. I can draw that line and say, I've had enough. I'm not going to let the enemy run over my life anymore because Jesus is enough for me. And when Jesus is enough for me, I don't have to compare my bank account to your bank account because I have enough. And when he's enough for me, then I'm enough for him, which means I'm going to be enough for you even if I'm not. That's what ties it all together. Jesus is enough. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, Paul, again, he's writing. And again, this is the Paul that wrote most, like half the New Testament. So he's, he's a pretty smart guy, right? And he writes this, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. Quick backstory here. What he's saying, and it's just a couple verses before that. Now, we got, you know, we got chapters. Y'all read, like, verses of the day, and you got reading plans in the new version. So, you know, like 2 Corinthians 2, 2 Corinthians 3. Second, you know, we got different chapters. But in the day when he was writing this letter, it's just one letter. So what he had just written right before this at the end of chapter 2 was he was talking about how he, as a leader, to some people he smelled like death, and to some people he smelled like life. I don't know what death smells like to you, but I just kind of picture a middle school boy's locker room, right? Or maybe worse, maybe the parent who opens their gym bag at home to put it in the laundry, right? It's been sitting in there for a couple weeks, and you're like, oh. And Paul was saying this. He's saying, listen, y'all, when I preach the gospel, when I proclaim Christ, some people think it smells great, and some people think it smells terrible, but one thing that we have learned from Paul is he's saying, but I'm stuck in the middle, right? Now, I'm a leader, so I feel it, but you feel this too. Haven't you felt for about a year now that you're just like, you can't do anything right? If you say one thing, somebody reacts this way and somebody reacts that way, and you're just like, I don't think I meant any of those, but you're both, now you're both fighting. Ah! And Paul said in the Bible something that you probably said this entire year. Who is adequate for this? Who can live like this? Who can be enough in that situation, right? And then we get to a few verses later. We just read it, and he says, I'm not competent in myself. There's a distinction between self-help books and the gospel. I'm not asking you to go, like, write I'm enough and just declare it over your life until you believe it. 
I'm calling you to see that you're enough in Christ. He said, my competency comes from God. And that Greek word for competence, it means um, adequacy. It means sufficiency. It's, it means that you've hit your limit. Like when the, the server says, do you want some more sweet tea? And they start pouring and you go, that's good. That's what sufficiency means. That's what I need. Thank you. So for our purposes, can we just say that the word competence means his enoughness? And what Paul's saying here is, my enoughness comes from Christ. He's enough for me. He's all that I need. And because he's enough, I'm enough. I have enough. I've had enough. Until Jesus is enough, I'm a vagabond. Y'all ever heard that word, vagabond? That's a great word. It means somebody who's wandering around and doesn't have a home. And I think if we look at our culture, we see people doing that, don't we? They're just wandering around. They're, I'm trying to please that group, and I'm trying to please that group, and that didn't work out, so I'll try this group next. And they're just trying to find their place. And what I want you to see is that you were created to find your place. You were made to want to fit in. And when we don't fit in with Jesus, when we don't let him be enough, we're going to try everywhere we can to fit in. And it's usually going to lead us to a lot of trouble and heartache, and needless pain. Until Jesus is enough, I'm a vagabond. But when Jesus is enough, I'm finally home. And what he wants for us this morning is for us to be home. Now, I love to do big ideas, right? Because I know that you don't remember most of what I say. I mean, I, I, I preach it and don't remember it. But the big idea is I can grab those. This is not a really good big idea because the big idea today basically is just that Jesus is enough. I just want you to remember that Jesus is enough. But when Jesus is enough, everything else kind of falls into place, right? I, I was um, here, we were here Wednesday night for prayer, and, um, okay, Karen, in person, get ready. I'm fixing to go start walking around. Y'all calm down. I'm coming down. Breathe. All the introverts good? Yeah. I've been where you are. Like when the pastor steps off the platform, I'm like, oh, dear Lord, what's going to happen now? He's going to call me out. I'm not. But we were praying Wednesday night, and as we were praying, for, I was praying for this service. And for me, when I'm praying over a service, I'm basically preaching the message to God. And he's, that's, it's got to be fun for God because he's like, I already told you what to say. I know what you're going to say, but go ahead. <laughs> so I'm over there, I'm just kind of preaching it. And I saw in my mind, we good? Y'all are so, they're so good, aren't they in the back? They just look at that. They put my big, ugly face up there. I saw literally on the floor a line from that wall coming, like following these chairs all the way to that wall. And, and I, my first thought was, I'm going to put a line on the floor for Sunday. But then I thought, then I'm going to use duct tape, and it might fix everything, but also stick to this floor and leave stuff, and I'd get killed. So there's no line here, but I want you to imagine this. I saw a line all the way across. And then where y'all are sitting, I saw a line here. And I saw a line here. It's got nothing to do with where you're sitting. I just saw this room divided into three sections. And here's what I felt like the Lord told me. Until we, until we have enough, until we step across this line and say Jesus is enough, then we're, we're forced. We love Jesus. Y'all love Jesus, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know y'all love Jesus, but do you resonate with the fact that we live in a world where we're always wrestling with that word enough? Like, when do, I, when do I tell my friend that I've had enough and not sound like a jerk? 
When do, I, when do I stop needing to get more money and I just can rest on what I have? When do I ever feel like I'm good enough? And so we, we're at, this is like the land of lines. Does that make sense? We're always wrestling with those three words, like those three, those three conditions. But when we step across this line and we say, Jesus, you're enough. He just showed me Wednesday night in this place, this is where the lines disappear. Not to struggle, y'all. I mean, I've been preaching a long time, and I still wrestle with whether I do it well. The struggle is real, but the lines disappear. So Paul writes things like, in Christ, there's no male, there's no female, no slave, no free, right? No Gentile, no Jew. He says, but we're all one in Christ. This is where unity takes place, right here. We're trying to be out here. Trying to make that work when what he's saying is, I want you to make me enough. And now just picture this. What if collectively, you don't have to do it, but what if collectively the body of Christ stood up and just stepped over that line and we all just said, you know what? I'm not going to settle for this life anymore. Jesus is going to be enough for me. What if we all did that? What, what witness would that send to the world, right? That world that's really angling for more all the time because they don't feel good about who they are. They don't feel like they are enough, so they definitely don't feel like they have enough, and they keep putting up with stuff they should probably stop putting up with. And it's all because on the inside, they haven't resolved that Jesus is enough. So this morning, I, I want to call you to that place. Um, I want to call you to a place where Jesus is enough. And it's a, it's a journey, y'all. It's just a process. You're not gonna, if you're here and you're like, uh, hmm, I don't know if you're going to do that, I'm not beating you up over it. It's not my job to beat you up because Jesus isn't enough in your life yet. But I'm telling you that the journey with Jesus takes us across that line to a place where we don't have to struggle anymore. We don't have to try to pretend to be anything. We just are who we are because it's who he made us to be, and it's enough. And if you're, if you're hungry for that this morning, if you're in a place where that really resonates, um, I'm going to pray, and then they're going to, they're gonna, in the back, they're going to play a song by Kim Walker-Smith called More Than Enough. And it's just going to be your opportunity to respond. You can respond in your chairs. You can come to the front if you want to. I can tell you this, if you come to the front, just because we'll know it's you because we'll see you come up here, there are people that come to our church on Wednesday nights. We don't have like an official prayer team or praying team or whatever at the church yet, but the people that are coming on Wednesday nights, I know this about them. If they see you come down here, they're coming. They're going to put their hand on your shoulder. You're not going to be praying alone, and that's okay. They just want to support you. Uh, you don't have to come to the front, but you can. At home, obviously. So if I was at home listening to this message, because how I am, I would, like, stand up, and I would draw a line, and I'd be like, let's go, right? Like how all of us felt when Rocky finally won. Didn't you want to stand up and just be like, it was cheesy, but yeah, right? Because when we say I've had enough, I think all of heaven just moves to support that. Right, so I'm gonna pray. Then they're gonna play that. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, um, this part might get cut off because it's a song, and we might—I don't know how that copyright stuff works. But anyway, makes sense. So either you're gonna engage, or you're gonna sit there awkwardly for about six minutes and listen to a great song. Either way, just you and the Lord. I want you to talk. I want to give you some space to make this personal for you. Lord, I pray over this this body over this 11 o'clock service, the people that are in the room right now, the people that are watching online, man, 
of all the of all the conversations I've had, of all the books I've read, of all the things that I've been just immersed in over the last year and a half, man, what we need as a culture is the peace of knowing that you're enough. And I just pray, God, that you would draw us to that place. There, there are men and women sitting right here in this room, God, that are tired because they are scrambling to get something that they already have. Jesus, you're enough. We don't need to, we don't need to raise. We don't need a group to rise up and fight with us. We don't need to memorize mantras that we can say to ourselves and pump ourselves up. We just need to accept that you are enough. And to you, we're enough because of the cross. So I pray minister to us now here in the building, those that are watching online, and remind us, God, set an anchor in our soul that we are enough when we make you enough. In your name, Jesus. Amen.